I'll do a quick intro because that's my job. Uh, it's episode 19 of Beer Life. My name is Jordan Foss. And on the program today, uh, we have Conrad and Nigel from Brassneck. Thank you for biking down here. <laughs> Hi there. And it was a beautiful day for a bike ride and you got lost on the way. Or you didn't get lost on uh, the way. A little bit hilly, a little bit lost. It's more like scenic, scenic diversions, yeah. Would you yeah. guys say that you're in better shape now because of COVID than you were before? I know, Conrad, you're always in good shape. but Yeah, I mean... It's hard to say. I think the beer consumption is spiked. Yeah. Like the, similar to the curve. Yeah. I, I can say unequiv- unequivocally worse shape. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I started out way worse and like, cause I was just drinking and it was depressed. And then now <laughs> I was saying to Dan earlier, like I have to get out of the house. Yeah. And so like at night I'm like, well, I'm going to go for a run and it's not cause I want to go for a run. It's just because going for a run gets me out of the house right yeah. and uh and well, then- I, i've gone through the full gamut of emotions on like you know when i when i was feeling the the fight emotion for on all fronts i was in the front garden skipping and doing my shadow boxing and all that stuff and i'm sure <laughs> the neighbors just thought i was an absolute psycho yeah. uh but that's tapered off a yeah lot. <laughs> yeah um so i want to i mean we're we'll get into covid in life now but i think i, I want to start uh by asking how did you guys both get into craft beer before Brassneck was even conceived of an idea? So even well before that, and maybe Conrad, I'll start with you. And then. Um, I was uh, I got started as a home brewer. Um, I bought a um, Papazian's book for uh, for my brother's girlfriend's dad, and uh, he never read it. But I, I as soon as I cracked it, I I just went cover to cover and. Uh, it pushed a lot of buttons for me. So that was, uh, that was, I sort of got into it that way. And then where was your kind of first gig in, in the industry or, or did it go straight from homebrewing into a, a job in, in beer? Or? Um, I mean, I moved, uh, like my, my girlfriend and I just had a, had a baby girl and we were broke and I, I, I was, uh, an architecture school graduate. Um, so I needed a job and found one in Vancouver. So, uh, that was actually working in, uh, in the landing, the same building that, um, Steamworks is in. Oh, so cool. I was working for an architect, uh, Soren Rasmussen, who was one of who was one of the partners who opened um, Steamworks. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was working in his office and uh, and just spending all my spare time home brewing and and then and they opened a brew pub. I was like, got was super interested in that. So that's how you got the job at Steamworks. You were you were home brewing, and then you just happened to be working with the one one of the partners that's crazy i didn't yeah. know that yeah yeah they uh, it was funny they came and they had they were sl- like things were slowing down in the office yeah and uh they came to me and said look we have to lay you off but you know we don't want to get rid of you uh but uh would you like to work on the construction crew for the brew pub we're we're opening and i was like hell yeah oh cool so i actually helped build the place um and uh was you know was was there sort of right from the i think i was actually the first tradesperson to to you know pick up a tool and and uh start doing work that's really cool yeah did you uh so when you designed that because uh, if anybody's been to the steamworks brew pub uh the brewery's downstairs and it is a bit of a fishbowl right like you can everybody can watch you it's crazy yeah and and when you were building it out because i guess if you were building that now knowing what you know would you build it the same way hell no, <laughs> no. <laughs> i mean it's hilarious because the you know, the at the time, the the one owner, uh, Soren, he uses architecture skills to uh, allot the least amount of space to the brewery possible. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. 
did you find when you're working there that people would just try and hang over and talk to you the whole time or this? I mean, it, I got pretty good at, uh, at ignoring people. Yeah. Um, and you, you just had to because you're, you're literally feet away from, uh, from them. Yeah. And, uh, so it was, I mean, you sometimes still, you still got that skill. <laughs> just ignoring people. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. You'll notice that Brasnick has a, uh, has a solid wall between the uh, public space. And I, the brewery. I do notice that with little, with little creepy windows that people can look through every once in a while to try and get a peek in. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. And so Nigel, how did you get started? Um, I, I, I can I say a little couple of things about that? Cause I, I like that question to Conrad because for me, I know how long, Conrad's interest and involvement in, in, in craft beer world is stretched and I think it's a real when, whenever I'm feeling insecure about where the craft uh, beer industry is going and, and where we're headed and, and, and kind of fad beers and things like this and, and, and things that kind of come and go I just like turn and, and look at my partner at the brewery Conrad and I see someone who's been through already a couple of the cycles yeah. of it and has you know has a real um a penchant for the tried and true uh, um and and and, uh, and it helps me stay confident that kind of solid well-made serious beers that are beer flavored yeah. uh will will are have been around for a long time and will be around for even longer and, and I think uh, yeah, anyway I just wanted to say, say no, that as- I think it's super valid like I, I was I was thinking about this yesterday because now I have more time to think about things just with, with the state of the world right now it's like I always in my head I'm like are we doing the right things are we making the right beers are we you know and and it's it's easier to kind of second guess yourself when there's Instagram and things available to you so that yeah. we're all in this like hyper aware world that's that's actually quite small and um you know you see uh hype beers coming out and i'm like fuck should i be you know making some some sour ipa with a bunch of with you know 10 tons of fruit in it and like what are we you know are we doing the right things right and and it's easy i think to second guess so Uh, i think when i look at steel and oak and and brass neck i see a lot of similarities in in and i noticed that you know, I was—I don't know if it was on on a previous podcast or on a, something that you'd written, but you know, when when you know the event happened and the and the crisis hit, you turned right away to your flagships, right? Like yeah. you you fill your tanks with flagship beers, yeah. And and I think that that is something that got. And, and I'm not I'm not saying that there's. I actually believe that there is room for lots of room for the other stuff too, and it does pique interest and it makes and it and it draws people to your brewery. But I, what I find uh, from being on the sort of front line and the at, at the retail level at, at um, Brassneck is that I mean, you, and you can see this by looking at the sales figures yeah. too. But people will go they'll go outside of what they usually get for if they're getting eight beers yeah. they'll, it, without even thinking about it uh, two passive aggressive one of those one of the like yeah. th- it's always on their list and I'm sure for you guys that's the steel and oak you know the, the your, your straight up uh, royal city uh, yeah it's a that. beer that we sell the most of still yeah. yeah I mean shiny things are new like the flagship IPA which came out in November is, is definitely glasses in, in house has gone up but like but you're right like I can see the numbers anytime we release a new beer in here you can see the glass sales spike and then it just levels entirely out and you know that it's just the people that came in wanted to try it once and now they're like, oh, okay, right. I'll get a Royal City, yeah, please. Back yeah. to their back to the regulars, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and again, like I'm not, I really like when you get, when you, when you do those experimental things and actually 
sometimes there are beers that maybe you don't brew again, but sometimes they end up being things that stick around and they, yeah. and they do and they do stay. And I and I do think it's important for people do want to try new things and it drives you know we released Changeling yesterday and it was Wednesday and it was just so busy. I mean, yeah. and that's not that's a, a seasonal beer and yeah. it's not. I wouldn't. I would say when it first when we first rolled it out, it was seven years ago. It was somewhat experimental but yeah. it's not these days but it's still you can you, you see the difference in having something around that people really really want and want to try and want yeah. to get their hands on yeah no it's definitely i mean i think for for us i know having something that's new well because we don't like you said we went straight to our flagships and so much so that now we have a bit of a lag time before anything new is coming out um and uh, we have a couple of things that we had bottle conditioned that we're actually going to release an imperial a barrel aged Imperial stout, nice. uh, which is great for 24 degree weather this weekend, mm-hmm. but like we have it and fuck, we need the money. So let's, you know, now's the time let's, let's sell it. It's tasting great. Um, in a regular world, we'd probably hold on until October. Um, yeah. but it's not regular right now. So, and then we don't have anything new for a few weeks. Right. Yeah. And so it's kind of, there's always this, um, and I, I always attribute it to social media too, cause I'm on it for our company that you're, you get pulled by what other people are doing. You're like, Oh, we should have something new. We should have something new. All these, you know, but, um, and it's, so it takes a lot of work to like, you know, to have the experience, uh, you know, like you do Conrad to say like, Hey, I've seen this happen before and like, just chill out. It's going to come back around and, and it doesn't, you know, we operate week by week so often, but it's, that's not, that's not reality. Right. I mean, it was getting to a point where, it was a bit crazy, like like everybody rolling out a new a new beer every everybody rolling yeah. out a new beer every, every week. week, yeah, and and you know it's kind of same ish beer with a different name ish, you know. Yeah. I mean, and 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 I think subtle differences should also be celebrated as well with a with yeah. a, you know, I think part of that is not wanting to you want to be transparent with the consumer as well. Like this is based on this beer, but it's different yeah. so we don't want to call it the same thing because maybe it's not you're not going to get what you were expecting or yeah so there's a little bit of that but part of it is also just hey let's uh roll out something new for the yeah. hell of it yeah. um okay so going back to how <laughs> no this is good this is how it works right i have a long list of questions i'm only pretty prepared for this but yeah. generally speaking i only get through like a quarter of them <laughs> so i do look back and pick out the most important ones so um so how did you get your start in in this industry yeah, uh so uh, beer world for me started uh well when we took over the alibi um what year was that when you took it over uh 2005 okay um but that is yeah june 5th 2005 is when we I mean, we, we uh, reopened it uh, as our place, but I mean, we when I say reopened, we only closed for three days for a lick of paint and uh, some some very basic uh, uh, renos. But yeah, so I was, you know, the place was what it was, um, and I would think that for every one person out there that 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 liked the Alibi Room in two thousand and five, there's probably ten that hated it and swore never to go back. And we were kind of we we did what most restauranters would probably see as kind of restaurant Harry Carry, which is take a take a place that's dying and try to revitalize it um and but I'd worked there for a long time and I had a few regulars and that kind of thing and I think looking back it was all very naive but eventually after a year or so 
I kind of started to figure out that we needed something to hang our hat on and some way of uh, trying to make sure that the place kind of stood out and amongst a, you know an ocean of really great places in Vancouver. So um, I started to get interested in beer. And then Six Acres actually was called Moonshine when it first opened. But uh, Six Acres opened down in Gastown. They were doing like this crazy... We, we we started experimenting with like bottle beers, right? And then they they opened with this just this incredible selection for that time of of import bottle beers, and so I didn't want to do the same thing. And then I started to think about well, how does it work if we try to do uh, if we try to focus just on, on 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 local beers and try to get our in the way that they're doing, they're trying to put a lot of stuff that you can't usually get all in one place, but from everywhere else. Yeah, how can we do that? And still, and and keep people interested, but try and make it just from around BC, and that's yeah, and that's where I started to get interested, and then that's how I met Conrad, that's how I met, um, and you know, yeah, everyone, everybody, basically in the industry, I think, always has a, an alibi room story where they go there first, right, and then um, you know, and then it's kind of what how at least they start to get into craft beer, right? So I think it's you know, it's been an important place, I think, I know for us to to start to, you know realize what what you know what the reality could be right having your beer on at the alibi room and how cool that is and so you guys met at so you met through alibi obviously and then when did you start when nigel that? actually uh, he just he just walked into steamworks one day and i was working in the brewery oh really and uh came you know the the uh restaurant the downstairs didn't have any customers at the time and he walked up to the counter and i was like one of those scenarios where you're like, oh, what does this guy want? Yeah. Uh, so you tried to ignore and, him. And then he uh, started, you know, I was like, pretty soon, I, he started, as soon as he started talking, I realized he wanted uh, draft beer. And we didn't sell draft beer to anybody at all. And I was thinking he seemed like a nice guy. And I was about to, about to, you know, tell him to take a hike. Um, and then he started talking about what he was doing at the alibi room. And I thought, oh, finally someone's doing yeah. like a real uh, local tap house. Um, so yeah, that so was, you decided so to, I was like, hell yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'd love to be on, on tap. So with, with going back to that, who were like your first BC craft brands on at Alibi? Do you think if you remember um, correctly? Uh, it was a bit of a motley crew really. Yeah. I mean, there was, uh, I mean, part, one of the reasons that I remember this is cause there was a photo for, uh, like Northwest brewing magazine i remember that one yeah yeah uh they took a photo of the taps when we had 12 taps and it was uh like um that place that place in in nanaimo that used to do the black and tan blend it was called alley cat or something or cat something cat oh i, I can't even remember but, uh they they were they, it, wolf bought their okay yeah 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 they were called like spot. something cat uh, I had the Niramata Nut Brown. I remember that. I had... Uh, oh, from Cannery. Yeah. yeah. I had Tim Hunt's... Uh, sorry, not Tim Hunt. Tim Brown's uh, IPA from Mission Springs. Longboat Chocolate Potter. Uh, tin Whistle Peach. Oh, Ale. yeah. I remember that. Because that was one of the few beers <laughs> that, you get at the BCL, actually. that that. Uh, that's a lot of people's introduction to... Uh, to uh, that you know, craft beer world, fruit beers. You yeah, know, they were an innovator. Um, and then, oh, back end of God, of course. Yeah, uh, they were pretty picky about their. They they didn't. It was almost like they had a mission not to sell beer. <laughs> uh, they, they you know they they would be kind of fussy about who they sold to. Maybe a, I don't. Know, I think it took a while for a storm tap. Yeah, because it almost felt like it was one of those ones that you could find elsewhere. Yeah, which and and I I remember for a long time. 
you know, we I would deliberately not have a lager on, which seems so silly now when we've yeah. come to that place of because because I just found that it kind of forced the conversation. You know, people would at that time people would order a lager without even looking at the menu. Yeah, and and I felt like it was a good tactic to to you know. Oh, Mount Begby Kolsch is what we had on. Oh, okay. So I would so so the servers would say, well, we don't have a lager, but we have this this Kolsch, Kolsch and 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 it would just kind of force the conversation a little yeah. bit, and it was one of the kind of tactics to try to turn people on to the. It's kind of like when people order nachos without looking at a menu because yeah. they assume they're in that kind of. It was it was a similar kind of yeah thing, and honestly, it worked. Yeah. Like, and then you would end up. Uh, you know, I was working behind the bar, so you would end up with somebody who had absolutely zero intention of uh, of uh, ordering a craft beer, and then end up having, yeah. you know, a red wrist or IPA or something yeah. like that. And absolutely, I was called the Empire IPA at that time from Central City, and they would just end up being super. They found a new thing. Yeah, and like, that felt oh, like I didn't know victory. this existed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so when did you guys start hatching the plan for Brassneck or starting the conversation even of opening a brewery together? <laughs> was that like 2011? It's probably, yeah, it was probably a couple of years before we actually opened. Yeah. Um, I was actually talking to somebody else for a while too. And, and, and I, 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 I think foolishly at the time thought that I had all the pieces of the puzzle to get a, to get a brewery going. But honestly, um, I think I had about three percent of the of the what it would have, what it would have taken and 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 some will and some yeah. uh, enthusiasm for it. But you know, looking back, you know, without Conrad's uh, engineering know how and 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 you know, like like just the, the, the ins and outs of how it's all going to fit together, yeah. and plus a lot of hard graft as well. Like I would have. Where there was a time where I thought that, yeah, we'll just open a brewery. I can do that. Like, like we'll just get this and we'll just do that. Like, it it doesn't happen unless you have somebody who knows exactly what the fuck yeah. they're doing. Like behind the no behind it. It, it. Like I think we got. I mean, we had dumb luck in a in a, in a sense. Um, I know with with Steel and Oak, like we Peter, our original brewer. Um, he had done it. He had opened something before, and he had worked on. Like, oh, that's he, handy. He knew how to put it together. Right. It's funny. We actually, the first time we met him was at Steamworks, uh, in, in Gastown and, um, and we met downstairs and, uh, but I don't looking back on it now, Jamie and I were definitely naive. You talk about 3%, we probably had 0.5% and that was probably just gumption to get it done. And like, if it wasn't for him, like, I think we would have been fucked. Right. And we, I mean, we, we played in the world of consultants for a little bit at the beginning and we're like this doesn't feel right either these guys also don't seem like they know what they're doing and there wasn't enough breweries then mm-hmm. to like you guys weren't even open yet you were still in construction mm-hmm. there wasn't enough people to pull information from i think back then mm-hmm. so it was a weird time to be opening because we didn't know what the what the future looked like yeah yet. yeah so i want to when when you guys hatched the idea of, of brass necker opening a brewery together were you guys dead set on Vancouver or were you looking around in other locations or were you pretty We were very much set on Vancouver. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still like, even then I think there's Vancouver is, there's a lot of drawbacks to Vancouver. It's really hard to get started there, but. Well, and I think I want to, I wanted to touch on that because I know I always remember because we were in the process of, I think, I don't know if we'd had the space yet. Maybe we had the space 
but stories have started to come out on how much work you guys had to put in with the city in order to be able to allow it. And so can you guys touch just on, on like kind of the red tape and everything that you would run into and you'd have to kind of get through before Brass Neck even opened? I mean, I think that there's a lot of red tape no matter what kind of business you're trying to open in, in most cities, but Vancouver seems particularly tricky. Um, but, uh, you know, at that time, uh, there weren't really that many breweries in, in Vancouver. Um, and also, actually, but, not even in BC. But. But, but the breweries that were, that there were, it seemed like there was a bit of a critical mass of of people trying to get the same thing done at the same time. And so we had a bit of a collective voice when we went. Yeah. Yeah. There were, there was, um, like we had main street, um, 33 acres, parallel 49 had opened already, but you know, all of us, and I'm sure it was the same with you. Like we'd, we'd been down to the States and seen what a brewery could be like. And we all were, you know, just thinking, well, we have to be able to do that in BC too, eventually. Um, we had yeah. a lot of help from that Lara Honrado Hon- as well. Remember, remember, she she worked with uh, Gregor Robertson. She seemed to be keen on getting the community together, the brewing, the the new brewing community together yeah. to to figure out what the hurdles were. Yeah, I think politically the city was very helpful. Um, it's just the the bureaucracy, unfortunately, is was tricky to navigate. And yeah. then we had, had this whole thing of tasting rooms. Um, I mean, we were like sitting in our tasting room uh, yesterday, kind of talking about how when we started Brassneck, uh, we the whole plan was to f- have it focused around a tasting room, even though you couldn't operate a tasting room back at that time. Yeah. And uh, we were just committed. We were like, okay, there's, there's, this has got to be allowed at a certain point. And we were kind of joking at the time that our tasting room was going to be a bit of a joke for two years at least. Yeah. People would come in and be like, oh, can I come and have a beer? Like, no. <laughs> and and now, and now we're like have in that thimble situ- full of beer. Now we're in, now we're in this in the in the exactly that situation where it's like you know it's like a really uh, nice looking warehouse basically for yeah. cans of beer. Yeah, and I remember I think the first time maybe it was the first or second time I I got in that you guys had coffee on the menu or something like that. Was it coffee or hot soup? Well, or you something? were told that yeah we were there was a lot of confusion about what about the rules and what right. you. Uh, were first we were told you you had to have food then we were told you couldn't have a kitchen and then so yeah we had we had the the cheeky it was the compliance stew and then we had coffee <laughs> we had co- yeah. we had we had to have coffee so we had bought a little coffee maker in the menu it said really coffee it's very expensive or something yeah. like that yeah i don't know and yeah. it's black and there's no milk i think and it sugar, said so. takes a long time oh yeah, yeah. it takes a long time yeah. <laughs> takes a long time yeah, and re- it's expensive yeah i remember that and it, i think it was the, because we were living in such a gray area world that i think a lot of times it would depend on like your inspector too like i know yeah. when our inspector first came in here he's like uh you know if you get some chips or something that should probably do it right yeah. and uh and so um our guy was pretty good back yeah. then it's changed a few times um and i think once they figure out that you're towing the line and and, yeah. and 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 to be honest i don't think the taste even at the tasting rooms most heaving yeah. with people it's usually pretty civilized and yeah. when and when a liquor inspector sees a whole bunch of sample flights and that kind of, like people don't use tasting rooms in that way they kind no. of come it's like a revolving door of people most of the time you get you you, you get your regulars who want to make a night out of it and yeah. stuff like that but most of the time it's yeah, come in. You're on a. You're 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 going to three other three other uh, breweries to sample their stuff. Yeah. And it's not like a pub, right? Like, I mean, I, I mean, where we're obviously a little f- further removed from. Although we are fairly close to residential, just 
by the river there. But, um, and we do get a good regular crowd on Friday and Saturday night, but like they're people that are, have kids or they're old. Like it's not, it's not a yeah. pub. It's not. And I think you're right. Once the liquor inspectors kind of figured that out, they're like, Oh, you guys are, I have to deal with, I know our liquor inspector that in the early days before they switched to just brewery specific li- liquor inspectors. Yeah. He was like, I have to deal with, with Wally. He's like, you'll never see me. Right. Yeah. And like, <laughs> you know, and, and I was like, Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. And then uh, I got a new liquor inspector who I did see quite frequently, but was very Doug Dyke. I don't know if you guys had Doug for a bit when it switched over to mm-hmm. brewery specific, but he was great. And he, um, cause he was helpful. Right. It was like yeah. the first time where it like, yeah. I'd always be worried, but he was on our side. Yeah. Right. And, and just trying that, to help us out. That's definitely a thing that is, that has often been, um, lost with that relationship is that it's, it is like a, it's a, it's a civil servant. It's a civil service. Like yeah. it's supposed to be, no, no, nobody wants to be out of, uh, um, what's the word? Um, con, you know, conf, conforming to, to the, to the liquor board. And, and I think nobody wants to serve minors alcohol. No. And, and if you, if you uh, are given the right tools and the right advice, that isn't just somebody trying to like throw the book at you, then it, then it, oh, it just really helps. You yeah. Know? Oh man, I wish those days were still around. Yeah. No, me too. <laughs> Worrying about the liquor inspector <laughs> yeah. coming and yeah. checking yeah. if you were over capacity or not. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you, uh, and we'll get to that for sure. How did you guys come up with the name Brassneck? I remember reading about it, but I can't recall now off the top it was of actually, my head. It's actually, it was actually Nigel's first it was that it was the first name that he had at the top of his list and really uh, and i remember i was like i was not into it at first yeah yeah i think i don't know it's it, it has some it has a few i like that we like the pubby connotations yeah brass thing we like that it means something but doesn't but it, but you know it's an idiom but it doesn't mean that much to most yes but yeah. if you actually delve into it it, it has a meaning yeah. and uh it's also it's a song from the wedding present who I was like my teenage indie band. And it's oh, okay. also uh, a character from the dandy, which is a comic book I used to read when I was a kid. I cool. ticked a lot of boxes for me. Yeah. And then, and then uh, I, I, I spent a while trying to convince uh, Conrad too, that it was, did you have a name that you were dead set on Conrad? Uh, I didn't really. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, my initial objection was that no one in North America knows what the hell the term brass neck means. Yeah. Um, but in retrospect, I actually think there's a lot of value in having a name that's, that just doesn't come with a lot of predefined yeah. uh, connotations. And uh, I mean, even just, I remember there was, uh, I was listening to some podcast and, and it was an interview with uh, Distil, uh, uh down in, uh, there's somewhere in the, in the Midwest. Uh, and, and they asked them, why did you choose that name? And they said, well, we, we, uh, we Googled it and there was no results. And I was yeah. like, Oh yeah. Like, I mean, for us, we were able to buy brassneck.com and, yeah. and, uh, and, and we we're able to kind of, um, give the term brassneck our, our its own, a different meaning, uh, to, for, to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, my, my lawyer is working full time basically with all the Oak and steel trade, no steel and Oaks, but there's a lot of Oak and steels steel, that, are, yeah. that are trying to open up in the U S right. and like, whether it's wine or whether it's uh, there's an Oak and steel liquor store in, in, in Manhattan. Um, I've actually have a photo in front of it, same font and everything. <laughs> oh yeah. And, uh, so we've had quite a few trademark, um, 
uh, we don't obviously distribute to the U.S., so it's kind of irrelevant. Like, we'll probably just let it lapse, and, and yeah. it will be what it will be. I think in the early days, we had dreams of being a North American brewery that was everywhere, and, and those dreams were quickly squashed, or we got smarter about it and said, that sounds like a stupid idea. <laughs> and, um, but I do own the trademark to Royal City Ale, and there's oh. a Royal City Brewing Company, which was going to be our original name in Guelph, Ontario, and really good guys. We always talk about doing a collab together. And uh, so it's, uh, I think there is a ton of... How much are you charging them to use the name? Yeah, I haven't told them yet. If they, <laughs> listen, if they, if they, if they listen to this, this will be the first time they know about it, unless they know about it and just haven't told me that uh, they're aware. But, uh, but I remember talking to Henderson about Superflux when he had the trademark issue with Machine. Mm-hmm, right. And like we were in, we were in Alberta... Uh, and he was showing me the original designs of it. He's like, yeah, we just want a name that sounds cool that doesn't really sound like a beer name, right? And it's, it's, it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to explain it. And uh, with Steel and Oak, we have to explain it all the time, which is, I like that there's meaning behind it, but then you're right, it carries weight with it, like where you feel like, like, where's all your oak beer? Where's all your oak right. age beer? I'm like, well, it's too busy. I don't have a lot of barrels left now. So, you know, but Jamie and I always have the conversation like, fuck, we got to start putting out some more barrel age beers. Otherwise, the name doesn't make sense. I, I got to admit, I kind of hated Superflux at first when I first told you. You're like, me, this is a silly like, name. It's actually. It works. For yeah, now. it totally works. It's fully ingrained in the psyche now. We, yeah. feel, uh, we feel a little bad because um, there's a Twitter user that's at Brassneck and, and his, <laughs> yeah. uh, for a yeah. while under description, he was like, I am not a Canadian brewery. Yeah. Oh, really? That's yeah, you could almost hear his like, his, like, like pomp- pompous English accent oh, over his <laughs> tweets. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he, he was like having a nice, a good old time until we, until we like yeah. rolled up and, yeah. and just, just ruined his day for him. <laughs> <laughs> so when you guys are getting Brassnick open, what did it, I know it probably always never goes as expected, but when you opened the doors, was it, did you have expectation for what it would, what it would look like? And we kind of had our, like our, a little nice little three year plan where we were going to kind of slowly build up our business. And it was, yeah, all, we were just at year three instantly. Yeah. And we we're totally not prepared to, uh, we didn't prepare the, that scenario, you know, it was, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, it was really great but also like like i thought we were working our asses off trying to get open as soon as we were open it was crazy yeah yeah i remember um because i don't have like a university degree i don't have i'm not i I have no post-secondary education i've never really uh, alibi room we we i worked there and then we you know we took it we we took it over from the guys from before us it wasn't what it is but we turned it to something else Brassneck was the first time ever where I'd I'd been involved in something from a from a seed to uh, fruition, and, and um, I, I'll never forget the feeling like the first the first few days. Maybe it was on maybe it was like the third day or something when it wasn't when there was a moment to catch a thought, and uh, I, I just remember like walking around the place and all the little. All the little minutiae, the details that you've been working on before you opened, the staff training, the 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 way it felt, the way the way the seating—I don't know, just everything—and the fact that there were people in there. I, I've never had um, like it felt good. Felt like an I felt a moment of of uh, personal fulfillment of of um, kind of. Just it was it, you know you have all the hardships of getting open. It takes a long time. 
and and that's just from when you sign the lease to when you unlock the doors. I mean, it's yeah. all the other planning that goes into it. The sitting in your sitting in your car outside Conrad's house, you know, after and, and like talk musing about what it might be like yeah. and all that, like all those other emotion emotional things as well as financial things that are in the in the mix. Like you can't explain what it feels like to see people react to that and then and 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 in a positive way, and then it goes away as soon as you start getting. The any kind of you know it it makes it really hard to take criticism. Um, yeah. Like and that and that's when you that that's why it hurts. Like that's why you know when you if you if you feel any people don't they didn't have a good experience or they you know you they slipped through the cracks as far as what your service ethos is or they didn't like a beer or something. It really hurts because I yeah. think you you put a, a, a lot into it and it, it becomes this that feeling of of. Uh, satisfaction and fulfillment becomes this everyday constant uh, feeling of trying to recapture that but yeah. also make sure that you're keeping everybody happy and, well, and I know I, I, I just I mean I can echo that like I think it's I mean we didn't have the same lineups that I remember waiting in to get into Brassneck in the early days but at the same point in time you're right you get all this positive feedback it feels great like wow we're doing a wonderful thing look how happy everybody is and then you go on untapped or something like that you're like oh what the fuck right like <laughs> And so I think it's, it was a quick lesson. I mean, and it's taken a while just to get thicker skin Mm -hmm. and just to not even really pay that much attention to it and to, uh, you know, to understand that like the, there's like just a small percentage and they're normally the most vocal ones that aren't having a great time. Right. I think there's a difference between, and, and, and it is, you know, obviously it's less poignant now because we're not allowed to use our tasting rooms in our public space, but there's, you know, I, that that kind of criticism that comes via things like untapped red beer versus you know you, you're fighting on both fronts too because you're also trying to create a customer experience yeah. as well and that's where you know conrad's the beer and i'm the front um uh or, or that was certainly how it started um and you know you you, you also that is something you can do something about you, you, yeah. you can't change people's tastes or, no. or what they what they perceive yeah. <laughs> when they taste something but I think sometimes when you know that somebody's had an experience where you're like, they got a point, you know, like yeah. we, should, we, 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 you have to have a service ethos and something to aim for. Otherwise, what's, what are you doing in the first place? Yeah. And if you don't hit that note, then you, you know, and that's, what's been hard about the change, the change in, in the way we're doing business in the last two months as well is because we've lost that con- We've lost a lot of that connection, where you can, where when you're when you're a model like Brassneck, everything is part. We don't we don't you're not advertising. You're not doing no. like you're you're winning people over as they walk through the door, and 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 it's all it's not just the beer, it's the experience as well, and how they connect with your staff and how they connect with the place, and and it all has to be, you know, connecting together, and it, and 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 I think it's hard to make that switch where it is almost just all about the beer now although we you know we have our little inside outside store we, basically we have a 6000 square foot space on main street and we're operating from a table in the cubby in the front yeah and and i for me personally being at the front and and being on that station um is some part of what we'd created inside when people were able to come inside and people want that too yeah. they're, they're they're coming 
they're coming to the table. It's almost like that's the bar counter now and they want a little chitty chat and there is that opportunity still to connect in that way and sort of... Uh, yeah. I miss the yeah I miss the fact that you can't just taste a beer. That's kind of one of the greatest yeah. things about coming to a brewery. You're like, you're curious about a beer, you have a little taste of it. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I... Um, I know you can feel that when people come in here, we've moved our offices down to, as you can see in here, the offices down to the taste room so that we can operate the taste room to go counter and work um, at the same time, just because people come through actually more frequent, frequently than I initially thought they would. Um, but you can just tell they come in, they look around, they're like, how's everybody doing? How are you yeah. guys doing? Right? Like, yeah. and they're generally concerned and they generally care. And it's like, you're right. They're, they're looking forward to that that moment uh we're going to take a quick beer break but the one of the things that i want to make sure i don't forget to talk about afterwards is that the 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 con like now that they just announced we're recording this on thursday and on yesterday they announced that the slow progression back to reopening and what that may look like and i know internally we're struggling on people want that that feeling again but we're going to give it to them in this awkward way no matter what that's not going to feel I don't think it'll feel great, and and but maybe maybe people want it or need it so bad that it, it mm-hmm. will feel okay to them, and so I definitely want to get your guys' opinion on that. I'm going to hit save, and we should probably have a beer. Okay, uh, we're back with a beer. So now that we're back, let's start talking about today's reality, and maybe just take me through, I guess, the emotion and the steps and the thought process you guys went through once this whole thing, uh, COVID, went down and going from being you know we were talking a bit on the break about being having a crazy busy sunday that felt uncomfortable to basically just being closed that's a good question because you got chalk and cheese right now as far as reactions go <laughs> uh chalk i'm the yeah <laughs> i mean i'm like definitely an optimist at art uh you know although i think there's a lot of things to be pessimistic about um i'm usually like anytime there's a crisis i'm i'm uh the one trying to look at the at the bright side I, I definitely uh think i talked nigel off the cliff at least a few times um but it's kind of it is really crazy like we i mean and it is like almost seems like a sick joke on brass neck that we we worked really hard to develop this plan to make a build a small brewery that um basically uh it was the opposite of a packaging brewery yeah and now we're a packaging brewery <laughs> doing filling cans by hand uh one at a time it's 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 i mean it's what's amazing is that people are showing up and, yeah. and buying a lot of cans but it is like super inefficient uh and and they're really the exact opposite of what we had had planned yeah yeah i, I would say yeah like conrad was really calm and yeah talking off the edge of the cliff with He's always been kind of a logical person with, uh, yeah, with a with a dash of pessimism. I mean, optimism. Um, I, I I was I was like, I'm like an emotional wreck most of the time, but that this definitely <laughs> like stirred up those biggest fear kind of feelings, and um, you know, because throw in the mix the other two places, Magnet and Alibi Room, which are in grave danger, really, like uh, serious peril. Um, I just kind of had visions of all the work and kind of losing it all. What helps me is uh, actually, as I kind of alluded to before, is being uh, at at our little uh, beer counter and um, talking to people and 
and selling the beer. I mean, I, I, I feel like um, I've been surprised how many people are coming to the door and, and, and buying beer to go, like sh- actually shocked. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we're, we're definitely down, um, certainly not out. And, and, and I think, um, you know, some, some efficiencies in, in, <laughs> in, in simple things like just filling, filling, cans would are going to help us uh but for now like it it feels really good to feel normal like it feels normal to be at the counter people coming up yeah buying beer little chit chat bit of positivity and people are like you said uh, earlier they're genuinely concerned about um how you're doing uh people have been very generous in other ways with their with their with their kindness, with even you know, in other ways too, and and I think, generally, just just being there and and and, and working, normalizes it and yeah. makes it way easier to deal with. Yeah, and I, I we were talking before you guys got here this morning, like, you know, they obviously announced a slow rollout to back to having people in 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 rooms and what that could look like, and we were just starting to get used to and getting comfortable with this this reality, mm-hmm. right? And and like you said, like I mean, I'm. I, I like to say I'm a realist, but I don't know. Dan and Brian, am I a realist or am I a pessimist? Okay, I know that just because he's smiling at me. I'm, a, I'm definitely a pessimist. You always seem to have a pretty sunny outlook to me. Like you, you, you know, like I fake it. Thanks for shutting your mouth, <laughs> I Brian. fake it. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm... You know what? Okay, I will say this. I'm, I'm not a pessimist. I'm more optimistic now, uh, just through the last six years of Steel and Oak, than I was before. So mm-hmm. like the business has made me more of an optimist. And that's not based on success at all that's just because i've found that like i don't have the time to be a pessimist it doesn't do anything for me Mm -hmm. anymore i'm like i have to be optimistic or and i think the one thing that this whole process did for me is like like you said like it takes you to the point where like i'm gonna lose everything like i'm gonna have to sell my house i'm gonna have to you know and then once you get to that that bottom point and then you become okay with it then everything else seems so seems good and so I'm like, okay, well, you know, I don't think Steel and Oak's going to go out of business. We'll be here when this is over because people are, like you said, being very generous and they're surprisingly coming to the, to the, the taste room to go counter more frequently than I thought they would. And, and we're fortunate enough, and it's the first time I've said this in a long time, we're fortunate enough to have wholesale channels that, you know, we have liquor store shelf placement and yeah. it, they are, it's crazy right now how much they're, they're yeah. taking. And so... But, you but those know, on-site sales is still that opportunity to, to, to connect with people. And always. To, yeah, we don't want to, like, the goal here was, is not to be a wholesale-heavy business ever, right? And, yeah. and so I think what it has done is it's because it's we've started up a home delivery service as well in New Westminster. It's made us, it's reaffirmed, I think, what we all, always knew is that um, we are a New West-based company and we're here for New Westminster. And we need to focus on that more. And I think we will change how we operate after this to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And we will sell beer to less places and we will double down on our community and try and give them a better experience here. And, um, and you can just see it just based on the people that come through the door and having that connection, like how much that we mean to them, which is wonderful to feel that, right? And I think that's helped too. I was, yeah, I was thinking that um, people in the US must be psyched that you guys are here. Yeah. Um, they are, and I think because we even still to the, even still coming to the counter and going through the awkward process of, of you know, two people in the room at a time, stand here, pay, leave, like 
it, there's still a bit of normalcy to it, just being able to see everybody, you know? Yeah, totally. And, and I think it makes us feel good that we're actually like trying to contribute, right? And and uh, and doing something, I guess. Well, what what I would hope is that um, when I think when I think about across the years um, of Brassneck, and there's been lots of there's lots of positive things that happen throughout the life cycle of, of, of a business, and in particular, a brewery. Breweries, you, you already feel connected to beer. Consumers feel that way. We yeah. feel that way. You already feel this this um, bigger connection than just if, if we were selling doodads. Yeah. We're, we're selling beer, and, and you feel more of a connection. And I think for Conrad and I, um, with the brewery, there's been some sad things that we've gone through over the years uh some major life things that and and i always relate to those things as they relate to life in the in the brewery yeah and and i and what i hope is that this period that we're going through uh eventually becomes like another one of those things that we live through together uh as business partners as a as a as a business that has those connections and yeah. that we can look back on it and be like, you know, thank, you know, we, we it, it just adds to the story. Hopefully if you survive it, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if when it's, I'm not trying to make it all sound romantic or whatever, but it, but there is, there is a little bit of an element of that for me. Yeah. Um, I think we have to talk about, like I, I did this on the last couple podcasts, like there, there, there is a silver lining to, and it's always, and I said this before, it's tough to say silver lining when people are dying from something. Right, and it's scary for everybody, but I think it does help put uh, the day-to-day operating of, of a brewery in perspective, and it helps, I think, you know, uh, reaffirm what you feel is important. And and you're right; it's like you, you know, you guys have been around. What'll be eight eight years next year? Seven years this year? Uh, it's seven years in October. Yeah, seven years. In yeah, because we're yeah. six this year. And I was talking to my wife Alyssa this morning about like. Oh yeah, and maybe this will be up and running by next year. We'll be seven. I'm like, holy shit! It's been seven years, mm-hmm. right? Which seems long, but in in the span of a you know, which would hopefully be a a, a long lifespan of a company, it's not that far, right? No. And and you know, these things happen in like in a couple of years. I mean, it'll still feel like a, a you know a, a momental um, you know a, a huge thing that affected our lives for a year and a half, but. It's still going to be just one part of the story, I guess, of, of everything, right? Yeah. So, you know. I mean, that's what we... Assuming things all... Th- assuming things shake out the way we're kind of being told they might, then, then yes, that would be yeah. the case. But, but what, I, what, what I also feel is that it's, been, it's underlined that, that thing that almost gets thrown around like a cliche, that wood, which is the community wood. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's overused. But what I really do feel like, uh, and I have felt this last couple of months, is that having an, uh, an uh, whether we're packaging or not, yeah, whatever, like having that linchpin kind of neighborhood place. Yeah. In this case, a brewery. People do actually, they want to connect. They want it, and they need it as part of their daily routine. And I think. That I, we see the same people come into the door every single day, ordering yeah. the same thing, as if we are an essential service. Yeah. I know it's alcohol, and there's some danger that goes with that, but but I do feel like um, we're an important part of their ritual and routine right now. And yeah, 
No, I, I, you're, you're, I think that's definitely the case, right? Like I look at our, we have people the same thing. They come in, you know, whether it's every other day. I mean, they could come in once and buy more beer and then not come back. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's part of that routine or it's part of that experience and, and just some sort of, yeah, they want to, they want a connection, right? And I guess I, uh, you know, when they announced yesterday that we're going to be allowed to open back up, like, I, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like for mm-hmm. Steel and Oak. And I mean, for those of you listening, if you've been to our room, it's not that big and we have 50 occupancy, um, but it's a tight 50. It's definitely not going to be 50 people in here. That's for sure. So, you know, I'm, I'm playing around the ideas in my head of like, well, what would it feel like? Does it, do people need that experience enough that they're willing to come to a spot that's going to feel more awkward and still enjoy themselves? Or do you think they're going to come once and be like, that was really uncomfortable. I don't want to do that again. Like, I, I don't know. I'm so, I, I definitely feel really hesitant about the, about the, I mean, on one hand, the safety of it, but also just, you know, if it's going to be super weird, is that, yeah, is that, is that helpful really? I don't know. Yeah. I think that you can't underestimate what people want to do for you too. Yeah. And, and I think people, there'll be a certain degree of people willing to endure whatever it is you need to to do whether it's you know yeah. wearing a fucking face shield or whatever like maybe there's ways that we can make those things like you know I'm already thinking those crazy the fade the big face shields things yeah. that people wear when they're driving sometimes keep the sun out of their eyes the full I, yeah. I don't know like there's, there's things that you can do to personalize I don't, I don't know we've got those but, big we got big face shields in the in the brewery uh, yeah. and like the full ones mm-hmm. and like now I'm thinking as we're talking like we could you could paint little faces on yeah, the top totally. front. <laughs> Like, yeah, maybe the sassy employee gets a sassy face painted on theirs and the, <laughs> and the uh, you know, the polite robot gets a permanent smile. I don't know. There's, 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 there's things that, and, and again, like I think that people, what we can't forget is that people will want to show you their support by coming into your place, no matter how fucking weird it is or, yeah. or, or what they have to endure because t- to them that is a little slice of normal from pre-COVID, I mean, it's such a, it's just, it just sounds so odd to yeah. say, but, but you know, I, 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 and, you know, we keep hearing about new normal and, and yeah. all that kind of thing, and, and maybe people just find a way to express the personal, like, the, the same way that you find a way to express yourself through your branding, through your, through the, through your um, tone and your social media, through, like, maybe that's the way, and, and, and it's, it'll be a difficult line to 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 walk because i don't ever i i absolutely don't take this with with any there's no lightheartedness to me about the whole situation the world is going through absolutely not um and and i think you have to be careful to not have it feel as if you're not taking it seriously because that is definitely not what you want and yeah. Did, did you have something to say about no, that? No, no. But you're very good. We were talking about this in the break that Nigel was asking if he's talking too much because he looks at me <laughs> and he looks at me because obviously he's good at reading people because when I'm thinking of something to say, 
he can tell <laughs> in my eyes that I'm thinking of something to say. And so I can see him stopping as if I'm going to talk next. That's very good. Yeah. No, I was just confused. No, I wasn't confused. No, I'm just, uh, no, I had nothing to say. So, well, yeah, I mean, I, so, we, so we got this TV beer dinner thing going. Yeah, which and is I'm awesome. Not, this is not a shameless plug. And, and, this and is I, the point, right? Like right now, plug everything. <laughs> That's right. Add TV, but, yeah. BD. Yeah. yeah. But, but those, those, like doing those, we do these ridiculous um, Instagram posts. And at first I was like, fuck, this looks like I don't care. And that it's, and that I'm not taking this shit seriously. But that's not it at all. It, it, yeah. It's just trying to, to make the best you can out of what couldn't really be a more heinous situation. Yeah. And, and I think that like you, you're always looking for creative solutions to problems as with a, as a business owner when you're coming even just even just everyday logistics of yeah. how to make things work and I think that there will be some cool shit that comes out of it where people really figure out how to like connect with people uh, via the weirdness and yeah. and I think if you can you know I've been racking my brains of how to how do we figure this out so that we can approach this and have people you know express a little bit of your personality which you're already trying to do uh, your business's personality which you're already trying to do through all of your yeah. work anyway and have it kind of come through in the right way whilst keeping everybody safe attracting people to walk through your doors like all those things i mean it's going to be interesting to see what people come up with yeah yeah no for sure the, i mean humor humor is needed more than ever right I, now i think so and i yeah. think people are okay with it now yeah. right like i think everybody understands generally that no one is taking this like everybody's taking this seriously yeah. and and so everything that that on top of that they're like oh well you know that they're just trying to be helpful and try and make things just feel a little bit more normal but but remember in the beginning when it was all these like, there's all these memes going around i'm just yeah. like that's not okay that's no. not funny that feels gross yeah like, and and you don't want to feed that machine at all like that's that's all that's what i would be concerned about is just is just yeah towing that line properly of what is of course, yeah, approaching things with a with a sense of humor, but you really, I don't want to make anybody, uh, um, that you know, anyone with delicate sensibilities. Like I don't want to upset anybody right now. Of course, so yeah. Well, I, but I but I don't, and I don't think that would even with the TV beer dinners. Like I think that um, you know the the which I actually don't think is poor, poorly photoshopped. I think it's quite good. Um, <laughs> Photoshop <laughs> <laughs> the um, the like it. Um, there's personality behind it right and i think if like you can feel that it's 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 some it's it's person even if they don't know you guys or or you nigel that i'm I'm assuming you're doing the photoshop right no no it's a good friend of mine oh no way Uh, there's there's some uh there's definitely a degree of collaboration for sure yeah yeah um but i'm gonna have to give him most of the credit yeah um uh, certainly, the the seed of the seed of the idea was from some goofy things that I sent him. But he's mastered the. It's not even Photoshop. It's like this really shitty really? phone app. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> but I think there's personality behind that, and I think what we've noticed more than ever now is that, um, and it's hard to like. Sometimes you get away from it a little bit because you start to get bigger, and you're like, hey, we have to be really responsible. We're a bigger company now. We have to. But people still like, especially in our industry, people are making choices to buy beer from Nigel and Conrad mm-hmm. and the team at Brassneck and, you know, Jordan, Dan, Brian, Eric yeah, and the totally team at agree. Steel and Oak. Like they 
you know, Adam they, and Matt, like, like it, yeah. it, and, 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 and actually that's something that I, I'm proud of. We've talked about, uh, before when we talked about the, how did you, how did you get started? How did you meet? And, and kind of the, the early days of, 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 uh, of, um, craft beer world and at alibi that was something that we always tried to do uh when we were picking up beer when i picked up beer from conrad at steamworks that's what it said on the menu yeah. uh when i went to even the granville island tasting room it was Vern's. it was Vern something yeah uh beer from yale town it was ian something like i always tried to connect people connect the people behind it to the people who were who were consuming and and i think and i'm, and I'm not uh saying that that, that to to me that was the, be, the 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 beginning of what you're saying in my world yeah uh, and 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 just recognizing that 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 people think that's an important thing yeah not that that was the beginning of of of, of no yeah that. I yeah and I but it, it's it's I think it's something that for especially for small businesses that we should always remember like and I think a lot of us I know myself personally which the guys behind the counter might laugh at me but like I actually don't like putting myself on like I don't like photos of myself on on our Instagram mm-hmm. I don't like it's so but sometimes it becomes depersonalized because I'm like well I shouldn't post another photo of me doing this because I don't want people to think this is the Jordan Foss show mm-hmm. although I have my own podcast show. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm sure there's eye rolls that I can't see for people that are listening right now um, but but I so I'm we're doing this piece of I mean I even hesitate to call it advertising anything we do because really it's just me trying to figure out how to you know get people to to know that we're available for home delivery in, in new West. And so we're working on, I'm working on this like kind of postcard thing about home delivery in new West. And I designed it and it looked good. What I thought, and I sent it to Jamie and, and Jamie sends it back. He's like, it doesn't, he's like, this isn't going to work. He's like, it looks too professional. He's like, like put a photo of yourself with some beer on the back of it. (laughs) And so that people realize like, Oh yeah, this is this Jordan that we know that, is in new West and lives here and has a business here and, and it's his business. Totally. And, and so like, I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice because we don't want to be the center of attention or, or we're trying to, you know, we have these great teams that do most of the work a lot of the time and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you know, it doesn't seem fair to, you know, take def- the credit, or take the credit. Right. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be a human connection to it. I think that's the one thing that small businesses are able to do that, yeah. you know, to be able to, um, you know, to be able to fight through this whole thing. Right. Cool. And, and, uh, yeah, I think the bigger you are, the, the harder it is to like have a little bit of an uh, authentic personal kind of, uh, presence out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm, I've got a few minutes left, so I want to end more on some more light hearted stuff. Um, so you're talking earlier about Conrad, you'd gone through so many different phases of beer trends and so, okay. Hazy beer. And are you a hazy beer guy? Do you think, I mean, I think it's here to stay. Do you, are you a fan of the style? Is it something you want to keep doing or do you think it's going to be with your experience, something that's going to eventually. Um, I mean, I, I do agree that it's here to stay. Um, I, am I'm, I'm not just as a beer drinker, uh, not, particularly fond of hazy beer i i totally get it i mean it's amazing when you smell it yeah and it's, it's just not really what i'm looking for uh i definitely feel fortunate that our brewer jeff is all the way hazy loves it loves experimenting uh so i i, I don't have to you know I, I don't have to get on board in the same way yeah. as as i you know if he wasn't around I'd, it'd be i like it's just nice to be able to have a guy who's totally into it yeah. Uh, doing a great job and and uh, and beer drinkers are loving it. I do think that 
um, there's, you know, it's, I think there's going to be other developments in the beer world that we don't even, we won't even be able to predict, uh, that will assign hazy IPA to a, to a, you know, probably a less important uh, niche than it's in right now. Um, I know right now, like if we, we basically, we're at the point where we pretty much have to have a hazy IPA around and it's a pretty important part of the lineup. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I do. I just think that I I can tell you how tastes are going to change. I think they will. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll, and I mean, right now I just, I kind of joke that, um, we should just start dry hopping our beer with money. Uh, be more efficient, <laughs> but, but it's like you know. I mean, it's great for uh, for the hop for the hop uh, in, industry. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so yeah, yeah. So I am. Uh, I think that Nigel's more haze positive than I am. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like I like that Conrad gave a little uh, a little shout out to Jeff there too because he has been he has been down the rabbit hole with yeah. with uh, with amongst other things the. Hazy uh, IPA, and I think it's become. I think quality hazy beer releases have become part of the brass neck DNA, and I think a lot of that is uh, down to his kind of commitment to that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 I, yeah, I, I think that our strength has always been in a mixture of tried and true with um, things like hazy beers. Yeah. Uh, dry hop sours and and, we, and 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 I would say that we've done that from the beginning and 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 you know I think that even just having like a cattle sour seven years ago uh, you know I'm, I'm, we're seven years in October but you know that was one of the first things we tried wasn't entirely successful like uh, the first time around but uh, Conrad was it was after the CBC he kind of watched uh, uh, went to a lecture from some crazy uh, German dude in, in Lederhosen talking about uh, Berliner Weiss and got some inspiration from that and that was kind of logged and clocked for later and we and we tried it and I think that we were along with Four Winds probably were um, maybe Four Winds with first I don't know I'm not yeah. trying to claim that but, but we were early stages of yeah. kind of trying that kind of beer uh, so yes tried and true is absolutely necessary um, but but I think it's good to have those yeah. styles too. Well, and I think it, it comes through too. Like, I mean, I've had some of your hazy beers and I will admit like, the, I mean, they're great, but uh, when I have brass neck beer, that's not normally what I have. Right. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. I have the tried and trues, right. Cause mm-hmm. like, I was going to say, I, I wouldn't peg you as a, as a, as a, as a haze, as a haze you boy know what? necessarily. I like, I was adamant that we would have a hazy IPA on all the time, which is why we did shiny things because we'd get asked so much for mm. it, that it was becoming exhausting to keep a hazy beer on tap all the time. So I'm like, fuck, if we just have one all year, then we don't have to yeah. stress about it. We can, mm. we can stretch our creative wings how we want to stretch them, and we don't have to worry about always having a hazy IPA on. And um, I like it on occasion, for sure, but I like Simple Things Pilsner is what I drink probably 75% of the time. I think it's yeah. I think it's interesting. Like it's a testament to the maturity of the beer scene now that hazy IPA is really popular, but also really good lager is really yeah. popular. Like it's we've got a it's the we've got a lager in the tank right now, and it's like the first just straight up lager that we've ever done, and I'm really ex- I'm really excited about it actually, and um, and so it's um, but I think the market is coming back to that right, and you see guys like 
twin sales that are known for hazy beer coming out with just straight lagers. And there's mm-hmm. this popularity. I think, you know, brands like that, or I shouldn't call them a brand, breweries like that, mm-hmm. um, they, uh, you know, that, that I think they do a lot of, as long as the lager is great, and I haven't tried it yet, um, but I'm sure it is. And uh, they do a good service to, to lager beer because people are like, oh, if these, you know, hazy guys that are making all these IPAs, if they like lager too, then we also should for mm-hmm. some of those customers that, that, you know, that have followed, you know, them or Superflux or Boombox or all those guys along, right? And, um, but yeah, you're right. I'm not, like, I, I like it. I actually, I like a hazy IPA as long as it finishes fairly dry and not mm-hmm. cloyingly right. sweet. And, and which is what ours, I'm proud that ours does. And we're lucky to our, our assistant brewer, uh, chef, his name's Brian, we call him chef. Um, he loves hazy, hazy beer and Eric, it's does not. And so <laughs> yeah. Eric just wants to make lager all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's been nice to be able to just be able to give that program to chef and just be like, you do it. Yeah. Right. And, um, and put the effort into it. Um, what's the weirdest shit that's ever happened at Brassneck? Oh, <laughs> weirdest I'm trying to think uh, <laughs> uh, I mean it's, uh, I don't know I don't I really that's a that's a hard one to answer like spontaneously without that's why I threw it at having you like a yeah having like a really good think I mean it has been a long time I mean <laughs> uh, I mean one one thing that I could think of is the is like after the uh, BC Beer Awards a few years ago uh, watching um, the next day, looking at our security camera footage of the the like the brewery, the brewers party that seemed to just spontaneously happen. Were you there? I was not there, oh, but yeah. I um, but someone from my team was there, and I yeah. do know the stories from it. And there was some uh, shirtlessness. Yes, yes. Like yes. I think we forget that there's giant fucking windows out front that anyone walking by yeah. can just look in and see see what's going on, but. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, the, my, the vision that sticks in my head is Ben Coley. This is from the footage. Like, it's kind of black and white and no sound. And there's just like Ben Coley, like, standing at the bar with a pint. You know, I, he, no one could see me, but. Yeah, <laughs> stand, but they. they... Stand, stand at the bar, pint in hand, flat cap on, shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> just just kind of like. No one's bothered him for a while. Yeah. He's just kind of, kind of standing there, sipping his beer, and then, and then I like, like shirtless dance over to him, <laughs> like something, like grab his hat, and, and then I like put his hat on, like doing something in front of his face, and he's just not even flinching, and then going back anyway. And then that is one little scene, and then there's just all this carnage going on around. Yeah, uh, cut that out, please. <laughs> we can talk about. Okay. So, I got, I got one for you though, yeah. but uh, also. Uh, involving shirtlessness, but uh, <laughs> we did a, we did a kind of a collab with um, with the Alibi, and um, we had former uh, manager Perrin, who uh, still a great friend of ours, um, and uh, another another uh, Alibi uh, dude uh, Raj there, and uh, of course Nigel. We're like brewing, well, mostly drinking beer. Uh, I think uh, Jeff was Jeff was probably uh, doing some actual work, and then uh, at a certain point, um, it just—I think someone saw the palette wrap, and it just seemed totally natural <laughs> for uh, Perrin and Nigel to strip down to their undies <laughs> and go into the uh, alley 
and Perrin had a smoke sticking out of his mouth and started pallet wrapping uh, shirtless. Well, basically in his undies. Well, he's on. Well, he's on. He had well, yeah, he had rubber boots and undies, and he was being pallet wrapped uh, in the alley. And and we lay, and then we noticed that the office next door, everyone was at their window, like just look going, what the fuck? They like they actually posted like a video yeah, online. Yeah. Then like really? months later, I got a text <laughs> from someone. I like my phone pings, and I'm like. I'm, it's like Vancouver alley scenes and I like watch it it's a YouTube video it's a YouTube video that one of the people from the office posted and it's like the whole thing like unfolding that I'd never seen before and it's like getting spinning around getting pallet wrapped and then like and then realizing that they're watching and then wave it, waving at them. Anyway, it's on still out Vancouver there. On Vancouver Alley scene. Yeah, <laughs> That's it's, on, it's on YouTube. If, uh, uh, I feel like we really enriched some some random lives at that moment in <laughs> All time. All those people are up there in that office. You're like, we're in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah, except it's yeah. 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> they're still probably like, we're in the wrong business. <laughs> so speaking of we're in the wrong business, I'm sure you guys get... Well, you guys probably used to get this a lot, and I'm sure you're probably good at ignoring it now. But we get a lot of people that are in the wrong business and want to get into beer. And I sh- shit you not, everybody, everybody that reaches out and is like, hey, can I talk to you about opening a brewery? And I'm like, okay, what's your concept? We're like, well, kind of like Brass Neck, but like in Maple Ridge. I'm like, <laughs> okay, first of all, and my go-to thing is, I always say, like, first of all, there is no other Brass Neck, so let's talk about that first. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, did these guys reach out to Brass Neck and they're just like, Oh, talk to Jordan at Steel and Oak. He'll help you. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. And uh, so in the early days and even now, do you, you guys obviously, do you get a ton of requests of people being like, how do we mimic what you're doing, but elsewhere? Tip it off, right? With that? I think it's tip it off. Like it used to happen, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's actually less. Yeah, I would yeah. say. But I mean, yeah, I still feel like there are a lot of people um, keen to j- jump in with both feet into yeah. the beer business. Um, what would your advice be to those people right now? Well, I, I, I would be very afraid, actually. Yeah. Pretend uh, COVID didn't exist. Let's pretend for a second that it wasn't, it, it was, let's say there's a vaccine, this is next year or whatever it looks like. What would be your advice to somebody that's trying to open a brewery? We're, we're pretending that this is not happening right now? Pretend, I know that, that seems kind of oh, yeah, weird, yeah. But, but I think, you know, obviously we all know that we'll eventually come out of this oh yeah, you know? yeah and and so i suspect that most people now are like yeah maybe we won't start a new business right at this moment but yeah. um but after this is over like what would be the advice you'd give to somebody i mean i i just think that before like leading up to this uh we're seeing a, a lot of interesting signs in the in the industry and in, in north america wide that the the environment's changed like the you know i think we've we're we're sort of feeling the edges of the petri dish, and uh, the and I think that the breweries aren't just going to be growing in the same in the same way. Yeah, um, I I still feel like there'll. I think that a, a small brewery is is probably a little bit similar to a restaurant. Like there, there'll always be a good room for a good restaurant. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's going to be smooth sailing, but I think that there'll always be room for a, a good small brewery. Um, I would be really nervous if I just opened a, a brewery with big expansion plans because I feel like that's the it's crowded it's getting crowded out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, I mean going back to the question of doing a brass neck somewhere else. I think the one of the important things is like brass neck is on Main Street. Yeah. Um, and we certainly thrived in the beginning. 
because of the density of the area we were in and the and the uh, exposure of the of the location, um, and 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 I still think that that's a massive factor into why we're still okay now, mm-hmm. uh, although the rent is pr- uh, prohibitive in that respect. Yeah, um, and hurts. But um, I think if I think about what it means, like you know, industry at large and what it means to be a small brewery like Brassneck, I actually think it's kind of the mod. It is. I guess it depends what works for you, but it seems to me like a sensible way to go. You know, like that. It kind really, of it really depends where you are, though. Like you're, you're right when you talk about, say, compare Maple Ridge to Main Street. It's two completely different things. I, yeah. you know, we, I look around, not like you know, not a normal day when when Brassneck was open. Uh, you know, it's three in the afternoon, and there's people having beers, and I'm. You know, you, I think if you go even to Burnaby, like you're not, you're not going to have uh, your tasting room uh, thirty to forty percent full of people having beers. Like they're they're at work, yeah. uh, they're they're not going to be home till after five, and you're not going to see really see very many people yeah. until then. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think too, I think that's the I always stressed to the people is like it's a lot of it's like loca- it is location. It's location, location, mm-hmm. location. Always at the end yeah. of it, right? It's it's convenience as well, and like that's not a knock on the great beer that you guys make or, or 33 acres or any of the or main street or any of the people that are yeah. down in that, that neck of the woods, but the density alone yeah. is, you know, so it's going to drive there. people there, but you're going to pay for it. Right. Like yeah. just like they're starting to North van too, over in, in Lonsdale area. Right. And so, um, you know, so my advice is always don't start a brewery. There's enough of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And then my, my last question. Okay. So if you had to expand your brewery circle, you're quarantined. You're only allowed to drink. You're only allowed to drink one other brewery's beer for the next year, oh. and it can't be Brassneck or Steel and Oak because I'm oh. sitting here. Uh, whose beer would it be? Hmm. I'm not gonna ask that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a tough one, uh, but um, I'm just- I, had, I had an elementary lager the other night, and I forgot out of a can. I thought it was like pretty kick-ass actually like that's a desert island beer yeah. that i would i think if you I said would, if think if you said four wins none of the other breweries out there would give you a hard time about it nigel so i would yeah, worry I mean, about well it. i'm not I'm, i just said the name of the beer not the name of the brewery well, people can go, <laughs> people know how to google uh I, i'd i'd uh well and then i'd probably I'm, have a I'm, talisman <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm gonna i mean i'm just gonna uh i'm gonna go out and and uh and just Say Lupolo mostly because Ryan's a good butt of ours, and I know he's having as tough a time as anyone right now during yeah. this time. And and yeah. uh, and the Italian pilsner's tasting really good. So. Yeah, the the I remember having ordering the slow pills, the slow pour pills there, and it was like our last stop. We were actually at Strange Fellows before. We we're out. I can't remember what we were doing, but we were drinking a lot, and it was just fantastic. And that spot is really cool. And I, um, yeah, and it's. Uh, but you know what? We're in a good spot. There's a lot of actually, you know, it's a tough question because there's a lot of good beer out there right now, which is great. I so. mean, I think both Nigel and I don't like, we kind of don't like singling out anyone because we have so many good friends, friends. in the in the, yeah. in the beer industry. It's uh, okay. Then so. who wouldn't you want? to be <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you want to play that game. <laughs> All right. I want to thank my guests, Conrad and Nigel from Brassneck. Uh, this has been Beer Life with Jordan Foss. Thanks, Thanks John. Thank awesome. you.